Welcome to the Red and Bold Show. This is what you get when you combine the 49ers Camelot Show and 49ers Cutback Podcast. I'm here with Anthony Robertson. Uh, we lovingly call Ant. He and I are co-hosts um, here in the PSF, the Pro Sports Fans app. If you haven't downloaded that, go check it out. There's a chat feature. There's all kinds of cool game day things. And then there's usually a live um, game stream, I, I guess, for a uh, lack of a better, they call it a media cast, I think. Um, yeah. But uh, some cool stuff going on. So go check that out. And what's going on, man? Uh, nothing much. I'm uh, just ready for playoff football. And I think this is what we've been waiting for in San Francisco since the week one started, because let's be honest, last year, uh, everyone left with a bad taste in their mouth. And now we're ready to get into the big games where the 40 yards get to prove their medal. They get to prove who they are. And I think that video yesterday that came out with Steve Young, the hype video, uh, says it says everything that we need to know that the team is 100 percent into it. They want to leave no doubt on who the best team has been over the last several years. But this year they have to finish it off. And the Packers are the first obstacle in doing that. Yeah, you're right. They they need to come in focused. They need to come in ready for this because I think that the 49ers, if they're healthy, if they're rested, and if they play like they're capable of playing, which is mistake-free football, there's not anybody that can beat them. Uh, the only team that's going to beat the 49ers is the 49ers. So here in the uh, PSF app, Josh is in here. He said, what's up, fellas? 49ers by 17 should be able to run all over Green Bay's defense. Yeah, we're going to talk about some of the specifics here in a minute. And uh, looks like we have some spy Nick Danger saying, go Niners, beat the Packers. Sound grip saying, can't wait for this. Packers better watch out. And I want to start there. Did you see what Mark Chimura said today? I did. Un unfortunately, yes, I watched the clip. Uh, <laughs> it, it's got to be one of the worst things said. Now, I've, I've been in locker rooms, and I've heard people say, we need to make an impact. We need to hit them hard. And we need to make them feel it. And I think that's an appropriate statement to say. Like, if you say every time you get a chance, you hit Brock Purdy as hard as you can, I understand that. That's football. Uh, but when you start taking, saying you're going to take penalties, you're going to take cheap shots, uh, that's when you cross a line. And I think that's exactly what he did. I think there are players where this is the norm and they will do this. There are enforcers on teams that will take these shots. It's unfortunate that it happens. But anytime you start talking about a quarterback and inflicting any sort of damage on a quarterback that could completely change the playoffs and, and the outcome, uh, you're going to tick some people off. And it ticked a lot of 49er fans off. And I think it ticked probably off some people within that locker room. I know he's a retired player, but at this time, you look for anything you can find for motivation. Uh, so, yeah, I thought it was a real cheap shot, and I hope we don't get that from him anymore. Yeah, and he's just – Mark Chimura – wasn't even that great of a tight end and he had Brett Favre as, as his quarterback. And so he wasn't that great. Then it comes out that, uh, that he's into teenage girls. So that guy's a piece of trash. And, um, I, uh, I, I don't wish anything bad on anybody, but, uh, if anything bad's going to happen to anybody today, hopefully it's Mark Chimura. <laughs> That's a terrible thing to say. And <laughs> I don't really, I really don't want anything to happen to him, 
but but that was kind of a crappy thing, just like you said. Josh said bulletin board material for the locker room. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, they should come out really focused, uh, laser focused, in fact. But if they need anything else to help them get over the hump, um, hopefully it is that. So I don't know if you saw that Danny Gray uh, was not activated. So uh, he's going to finish his first two seasons barely playing. I know that uh, at the beginning of the season when we talked, you were pretty high on him, especially from a special team standpoint. Is this a disappointment? Uh, are you hoping that uh, maybe year three is is the good year for him? Or, or do you think that maybe he's just uh, not really going to be what they hoped that he would be? Well, I think for Danny Gray, getting hurt in training camp or during the preseason actually uh, was the real struggle because – if he wouldn't have gotten injured, uh, then we would have had an opportunity where he could have made this football team. But when it came down to it, they had to decide. They decided to keep Ronnie Bell. And Ronnie Bell, now you just can't afford to lose him. You see some promise. You see an opportunity for him in the future. And you know contracts are coming up. Ray Ray McLeod's going to be a free agent. Uh, so you have to have guys available. So you can't afford to cut Ronnie Bell right now and allow a team, especially a playoff team, to pick him up. You have to make sure you hold on to all those receivers. So I do think that Danny Gray is a product of circumstance, injury first, and now a situation they don't have roster spots because, let's be honest, one of those receivers still might get cut to make room for George Odom. Uh, you can't have yeah. an abundance of players at any one position right now because you need guys. Uh, so this might not be the end of the wide receiver moves. Unfortunately, Chris Conley might get cut as well this week if they uh, activate George Odom. And they uh, they are anticipating activating George Odom. Eric Armstead looks like he's going to be back. Dre Greenlaw uh, looks like he's back. I think that uh, I saw that he's practicing today. And uh, who else did I see that was back at practice today? Um, I, I I've lost I, I lost it, but that's all right. Um, so let's jump into this game uh, because. Uh, Oh, Jair Brown. Josh said Jair Brown. So that's uh, uh, maybe that's the other one that I saw. I can't remember who it was. Uh, oh, Logan Ryan. Uh, he was back. But uh, let's jump in. I mentioned that Eric Armstead is back. How much do you think this is going to help the 49ers defense, especially the run defense? It's huge. Uh, Eric Armstead is the best run stopper on the entire 49ers defensive line. Just getting him back in there is going to allow the 49ers uh, to stop the run at a better level because not only can he penetrate, uh, he can also occupy two blockers at a time. And that keeps Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw clean where they can go and make tackles. It allows uh, clean areas for them to be able to run the football. But one thing it does is it narrows the areas that running backs have to run through. Now, Aaron Jones is pretty good. He can find little holes inside uh, the defense to run, but it also leaves less space that Dre and Fred have to tackle. Uh, so it means tackling is going to be better. And I just think overall Eric Armstead's uh, force enforcement of the run game is going to be huge in this game. I think with him, they're a you know 70 a game team on the ground, and without him, it's probably closer to 100. That's how much of an impact he makes, not to mention what he's going to do on those late downs when he's able to rush the passer from inside because he's got some of the best moves uh, in the NFL as an interior pass rusher. 
Yeah, and I think that the 49ers really need him when it comes to the run defense especially. I feel like they missed him. I also feel like they missed Jawan Jennings over the last uh, two or three games, how many ever he was out. Uh, just seemed like, especially in the run game and in, in the yak game, uh, not that he's the yak guy, but he's such a, a fierce blocker. And he brings an edge that I think that the offense – might have lacked a little bit while he was out. How big of a return is Jawan Jennings? It's huge. Uh, we've seen you know Brock Purdy look to Ronnie Bell. We've seen Brock Purdy look to Ray Ray McLeod and others uh, that try to make plays on third down, and they just can't do it consistently. And so I think Jawan Jennings' first impact is going to be where he can make some clutch catches. There's going to be times they're going to turn and want to throw to him, but then also him in the blocking game. The ability that Jawan Jennings gives an offense uh, to be able to go and use him to wham block. I mean, how many wide receivers in this league can come down and block a defensive tackle or come down and block a linebacker in the hole? There's not very many, but with Jawan Jennings and his physicality and his approach to blocking, he's able to do that. And it gives the 49ers so much more freedom with their scheme in the run game and can create some very unique uh, blocking situations that can take advantage of angles because it's about angles when it comes to blocking and Jawan Jennings provides them a lot and those matchups are huge in this game and I think if the 49ers can get some blocks onto Quay Walker and other linebackers they're going to have some ability to run the football against the Green Bay Packers because uh, though the Packers have been a good team this year they give up 128 yards on the ground and Jawan Jennings could be a big reason why the 49ers open this thing up and are able to establish some big gashing runs early on in this football game. Yeah, that's a great point. And uh, I just realized that my mic, I think, is picking up uh, my phone. So I'm going to try to mute my mic whenever you're uh, speaking so that maybe I won't get that uh, that feedback anymore. So uh, what is your biggest concern when it comes to a potential upset what what is it when you've watched film from the Packers what is it that you're most concerned about um I think it's got to be stopping Aaron Jones first uh, because since he's come back from injury minus one game he's pretty much ran for over 100 yards a game they've been very successful on the ground and when you're successful on the ground in a Shanahan style of offense that's when you really have uh, you know, guys who can make a lot of plays down the field have success. We've seen this in, in, in San Francisco for years, and it's not very much different from what LaFleur does. He wants to establish a run game and get you worried about that and then create plays over the middle of the field. And Jordan Love showed the ability in the Cowboys game to make layered throws. He was throwing over the top of defenders. He was throwing it down the field in that intermediate range. He looked really good in that category. So I would say, if they could get the run game going with Aaron Jones and then allow that to create a play-action passing game where they can get some openings over the middle of the field in that interior part of the four yards defense, that's when I would get a little bit nervous about how well they're able to move the football. I just don't know if they can establish a run game, a successful run game enough. Uh, they struggled against Tampa Bay's defense, and I just think the four yards are better at stopping the run than Tampa Bay. Two good linebackers, a very solid front four, for the 49ers and an intent for the 49ers as far as safeties uh, uh, to get up in there and make some plays. I think they're going to put the onus on Jordan Love to win this football game. So stopping the run is going to be huge in this game. 
Yeah, I agree. Forever Blessed is in here with us. Uh, Randy Daytona is in here. Randy Elite Daytona says, two of my favorite guys. Thanks, Randy. We, You're one of our favorite guys. You are elite, and we just want you to know that. Um, so I wanted to go back to something that Josh said in the PSF uh, chat. He said that Logan at safety is a bit too slow against Green Bay's speed. What do you what do you think about that? Because uh, I I kind of have wondered, are they going to start Logan or are they going to go right back to Jair Brown? Um, but I think that's an interesting point that Josh brings up that maybe he doesn't quite have the speed uh, of those Green Bay receivers, but what he lacks in speed, he's probably going to make up for in quicker decisions. I would think. Yeah, what's interesting about this situation, I actually made a video last week. Uh, should it be Logan Ryan or should it be Jair Brown? Because I saw this conversation coming. When you get from Jair Brown into an explosiveness, a guy that's able to come up in the box and make plays, I mean, splash plays, uh, that's who Jair Brown is. But when you look at Logan Ryan, you're seeing a player that's in the right spot at the right time and making sure he doesn't make big mistakes. When Steve Wilkes first came to San Francisco, he said, we're going to limit explosives and we're going to cause turnovers. Limiting explosives is what Logan Ryan would do for the 49ers at the safety position. So, yeah, you could talk about his speed. It probably isn't what it used to be, but neither is Tashawn Gibson. I think if you're running the coverage the way you're supposed to run it, they will be just fine uh, being able to have him out on the field. What I think we're going to see is probably a Logan Ryan start followed by a Jair Brown from time to time in this game especially uh, when you see certain personnel groupings for Green Bay, heavy run sets. Let's get Jair Brown on the field. But I feel more comfortable with Ryan in coverage than I do Brown. But I think that both guys are pretty set for this 49ers team. But I'd lean more towards the veteran leadership. But we'll see what the 49ers decide to do uh, in this matchup. We won't know probably until we get closer to Saturday. Yeah, it's going to be interesting because I agree that uh, Jair Brown pops off the screen a lot more. But it's hard, especially in the playoffs, it's hard to beat veteran leadership, especially when you look at the fact that Jair Brown barely played um, here toward the end of the season. Uh, I want to go back to Jesus, Niner Nation faithful, El Paso, Texas. Awesome, man. Great to have you in here. And uh, some, uh, some predictions in here, 31 to 10. Um, let's see. Yeah. Teddy boys asking the same thing. El Paso, Texas. That's Cowboys fans area. Yeah. So, and, and look, I, I grew up surrounded by Cowboys fans and, and I'm telling you, it takes, takes some guts to be a 49ers fan uh, around, um, Cowboys fans. So, uh, that is for sure. Um, what about the rain there? There's, potentially rain uh, forecasted. It's kind of, it's kind of changed already. It's probably going to change again. Um, if it's raining, is that going to be more of a concern? Uh, because we've seen Brock Purdy in the rain in Cleveland that didn't go well. Uh, we've seen him in, uh, well, I guess last year, the first game of the, of the postseason uh, against Seattle, there was some rain in that one. And I, I think that maybe that was also some jitters. Uh, he didn't look good early on, but then he turned things around and, and the 49ers won. But just uh, 
what are, what are your concerns? Because for me, rain and weather is the great equalizer. And we've seen so many times a team that should dominate lose to a lesser team because weather is the great um, equalizer. It brings, it, it gets rid of the speed factor at times um, and just can affect, you know, the turnovers. There's just a whole lot that goes into it. I don't like rainy games. Where are you at on this? Yeah, I'm never a fan of the elements adding something to the game, whether that's you know causing more turnovers, maybe limiting the effectiveness of playmakers. Uh, there's a lot of ways to look at the rain's effect uh, on the on the football team, and I think that when it comes down to it, you don't want the rain to have an impact, but it probably will if it if it does rain, and it could have an impact, like Josh is saying in the app, it could have an effect with the run game of the 49ers being successful because if you have a good running game in the elements, you are more likely to have success. The other thing I think it can give the 49ers an advantage. Most people probably won't even consider this, but you have a injured corner in Jair Alexander with an ankle changing direction for a wide receiver. They are, they know where they're going on a wet field. It's easier for a wide receiver than a cornerback who's playing reactionary. So I think in those categories, you have some advantages but I do worry about players slipping down and causing blown, you know, blown coverages where that wouldn't normally happen. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see what the weather ultimately looks like. It depends on what app you go to, to when it's going to rain. I've seen it raining all throughout the day to not raining until the game's almost over. You just don't know right now, but I think that really you just can't have any concern. You go into a rain game the same way you would go into a, a, a normal game. Your game plan is your game plan and you go out there and you try to execute if it becomes something worse, uh, then you adjust. But I think the 49ers are well-equipped to handle this. Christian McCaffrey, this is going to be a big game for him. Debo Samuel, and I, that's exactly what you got to do. If you have to pour it on in the run game, and that'll help neutralize the weather. Uh, but turnovers are always a factor, so we'll see. But I think that I think when it comes down to it, the 49ers are well-equipped to handle the rain. And that Cleveland game was in Cleveland against one of the t top defenses in the entire league. So uh, that's something to remember as well. Yeah, that's a good point. And uh, a lot of people in the chat saying, run the ball, run the ball. CJ said, I uh, looked at the forecast and it's showing clear. So that's good news. Um, hopefully that'll be the case. Josh in the PSF app said uh, Green Bay's game plan will be to screen us to death and try to get the tight ends involved. Um, yeah, I, I think that they're going to, I think that they're going to do their best to be balanced. And, and that's why we talked a little bit about the running game at, at the start, because I think that that's critical. I think the, if the 49ers can slow down that green Bay running game, then, then their chances get a lot better. I saw a, a stat that uh, when Aaron Jones rushes for a hundred yards or more um, Jordan love, I don't remember the numbers, but he's been really good when Aaron Jones rushes for less than a hundred yards. Uh, Jordan love is not near as good and the Packers don't win um, as often. So I think the key is going to be slowing down Aaron Jones. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, this is one of those key factors in any time you're playing a Shanahan style system. I mean, even if you look at what the Texans did last week against Cleveland, uh, Singletary had a really good game on the ground and that's exactly what LaFleur wants to get going with Aaron Jones. And if Aaron Jones is able to establish a run game early, 
it just opens up everything in the, in the playbook because Kyle Shanahan talked about in his presser this week that this looks more like the Matt LaFleur offense that he was looking to see uh, post Aaron Rodgers was an offense that is married well together, the run game, the passing game. And when you get those concepts married together and things start looking the same, then you have the opportunity for some big plays down the field. But it starts with the run. And make no mistake, if the 49ers slow down Aaron Jones early and they cause some third and long situations to get off the field, they're going to have an opportunity to put this game in a situation where by the second quarter, the Green Bay Packers might have to go away from the running game a lot because I think the 49ers offense is going to have a lot of success against that Green Bay Packers uh, defense. So they better establish a run game early against the 49ers. If they don't, this one could get out of hand. Yeah, and I think that the 49ers offense is going to roll. That uh, Green Bay defense is not very good. The linebackers are not very good. And if you look at the defenses that have given the 49ers problems, it's been the ones with the good linebackers. It's been the Browns. It's been the Ravens. And the Packers are not one of those teams. Their, their linebackers are a liability. Uh, I'm guessing if some moron like me knows that Kyle Shanahan has already prepared for that. Yeah, I mean, as soon as you turn on the film, one thing you notice right away is Quay Walker in coverage is an absolute liability. And in fact, he's 47th best out of 50 linebackers in the league as far as coverage. So you find matchups, and I went back and watched the Tampa Bay game. I've actually watched like three or four Green Bay games now. And you see them getting Rashawn White one-on-one -on -one with Quay Walker and winning. And nothing against Rashawn White, but this is Christian McCaffrey that we're talking about. That is a matchup problem, which means if that's the matchup you have, the 49ers are going to win. And if you can't allow that matchup, it means the 49ers can manipulate other things. One thing to watch in this game that I think is going to be very interesting is the Green Bay Packers like to bring in an extra defensive lineman when they go to their five-man fronts when you have two tight ends on the field. Uh, so when you're in your 12 or 22 personnel, they like to bring those guys in. And that's not uncommon. The problem is when the 49ers have a Kyle use check, if you go to 21 personnel, that's what they normally run out of. If Green Bay and Joe Barry try to go ahead and bring in that extra defensive lineman, you're going to get matchups that you love for Kyle use check uh, because that is the real difference maker here. He can beat Quay Walker and he can definitely beat Rashawn Gary or one of those guys who have to come up off the outside as the edge defender. So I think that's something to really watch in this game. It could be a big game for Kyle Juszczyk if they get in 21 personnel and they're having success running and Green Bay decides to bring in the extra defensive tackle, which they've been doing a lot uh, over the you know over the last part of the season. So it's just something I saw matchup-wise, linebackers, eh, defensive tackles, it could be a problem for Green Bay. What about uh, when when the Packers have the ball? This this is the part that I'm the most concerned about. I'm not concerned about the Packers' defense. If the 49ers play a clean game, I still I think they're going to win. But the the one thing that I am concerned about is that Green Bay offense. They've shown that they can score. How do you slow them down? I think, you know, the Green Bay offense definitely showed something against Dallas, right? They showed the ability to run the football consistently uh, for Jordan Love to be able to make some big throws down the field. I think one thing that was very clear early on was that Green Bay's pass protection was pretty good. Uh, they kept some obvious uh, good situations for Jordan Love to just stand in the pocket and make some good throws. And even then, he could extend just by barely moving outside the pocket. So Dallas didn't do a good job of when they brought the heat 
getting enough pressure on. And I think the way that you're going to go ahead and stop Green Bay is by rushing four and being able to get home with those four. If you can do that, then that's going to make it easier on the back end. Dallas was having to bring guys consistently. The one thing with Dallas that everyone you know has to remember, and I know a lot of people probably in chat realize this, is they're not playing full-out linebackers. They're playing safety types at linebacker. So they get pushed around a little bit, and that's exactly what we saw. The other, you know, the other thing we saw uh, from Dallas was just a lack of you know coverage over the middle of the field. They lose people. They had breakdowns and covers the whole game. I don't see that from the 49ers. The 49ers are more disciplined. Uh, Steve Wilkes always has these guys in the right spot. He disguises coverages a lot better. And when he does bring pressure, it usually comes from the right spot to be able to force the quarterback to a uncomfortable area of the field, maybe rolling left, throw against his body, things like that. So I think there's just going to be a better game plan from Steve Wilkes. And I think he has better tools to execute that game plan as well. Yeah, I don't see the Packers receivers running wide open against the 49ers like they did against the Cowboys. That certainly will not happen. Um, I want to ask you this. If this game is tight and it comes down to a Jake Moody field goal <laughs> to win it or lose it, are you going to be calm, confident, or are you going to be ready to throw up? Um, I think I would be just as nervous as I was when I saw Ray Worshing kicking field goals or Mike Kofer or Joe Nedney or David Akers. I mean, you name them. I, even Robbie Gold. I mean, even though he never missed, you just had that little nervousness uh, that potentially that field goal could go wide left or wide right. Uh, but I'll say this is I think we got to look on the bright side. Jake Moody's never missed a postseason field goal because uh, he's never taken a postseason field goal. So uh, that's one thing to look at. We got that going for us. And you know what? That Maybe that's the mindset, right? You've never missed. It's a clean slate. Go in there and just let it rip. I, I'm hoping that the 49ers can avoid field goals at first, get some easy PAT so we can see the ball go up and go through and make him feel comfortable and confident with the situation, the breeze, whatever the weather is. And then after that, I think he'll ease in. Uh, but yeah, I think if it's a, a late second field goal, no matter what, I'm going to be nervous. I don't think I'll be throwing up but I think I'll be nervous. <laughs> to me, the recipe for the 49ers to get uh, through this round with a win is to protect the football and stop the Green Bay running game. Is it that simple, or do you think there's more to it? No, I, I always think it's pretty simple. Uh, there are areas of the game that you have to win, and one of them is the turnover battle. Now, both of these teams are very good at holding on to the football. Only 18 giveaways you know, apiece. Uh, when you look at takeaways, the 49ers definitely have the advantage. They created 28 uh, takeaways this season. And when you look at turnover differential, going into the playoffs, the 49ers were plus 10 to the Packers being plus zero. They're just even. Uh, so now they're plus two. They've made some you know great turnovers in the playoffs. Uh, but what you're seeing from these teams is a distinct advantage in turnovers for the 49ers as far as creating turnovers. The other effect I usually look at is third down efficiency. And this is one of the ones that's the most interesting is both teams are 47% converting on third down. That's really good. Uh, so that means both these offenses stay on the field. That's going to be huge in this football game. Stops getting the Green Bay Packers off the field is going to be huge. And then keeping your offense on the field and keeping your defense fresh is going to be impactful as well. And then you look at the defense. Both of these teams give up third down conversions 
at nearly 41%. 49ers are at 40.9, Packers 41.1. So it's almost a dead heat. Uh, so I think those are always things that you look at. But if the 49ers establish a run game with Christian McCaffrey and they create uh, on-schedule plays on third down, third and three or below, and they're able to convert, they're going to win this football game because I think it's inevitable that they're going to get a turnover. I don't know if it'll be Jordan Love throwing an interception, but I think it's inevitable they create a turnover and a big explosive play. And if you limit those on the other end, you're going to be just fine. So today I saw a, uh, I don't know if it was a Packers fan or a Packers beat writer or somebody who was showing clips of Brock Purdy throwing interceptions and, and the, the synopsis of this post that had uh, multiple interceptions by Purdy was, oh yeah, this is the guy we're supposed to be afraid of. Yeah, he's so creative. He's so good. Look at him. And I just thought that that was um, an ignorant take because Brock Purdy has thrown 11 interceptions in 2023. Um, Jordan Love has thrown 11 interceptions. So uh, I don't think that Purdy is this turnover machine that's going to crumble as soon as the mighty Packers defense comes after him it's like you know the the funny thing is and uh, i'm supposed to be on a packers show here later tonight and um i i hope that they're not nice because i i i want to be able to call them out on some things and 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 one of those is that they're just they're coming into this they're fans like they like they're the defending super bowl champs and they're expecting the packers to just dominate the 49ers where I feel like 49ers fans, I, I've seen some that are that have said this isn't going to be close, and some that have been the other extreme, I'm scared. <laughs> but most are kind of fallen in the middle that look, the 49ers are a better team. They should win this game as long as they don't shoot themselves in the foot. Where are you at on that? Do you do you feel that same way that the 49ers ought to win this and, and the Packers fans are are daydreaming, or do you feel like they have a, a, a decent shot of winning this game? I think the Packers are a good team. Uh, with that being said, they were nine and eight in the regular season. But just like on all things in the NFL, and we see this every week with power rankings, we see this every week with the way people talk about uh, different teams. It's what have you done lately? And the last thing the 49ers were seen doing for most who just watch only the big time games was losing to Baltimore and Brock Purdy having a not so good performance. Uh, and if they were even close enough to catch the Rams game, they probably think the 49ers are coming off a huge loss where they you know, got beat by the Rams. But when it comes down to it, I enjoy the Packers are drinking the Kool-Aid. Go ahead, drink it. Drink the yellow and green Kool-Aid and just enjoy the playoffs. You guys are a young, upcoming team. But right now, everyone's looking for a boogeyman. The boogeyman is the 49ers, okay? The 49ers fans don't be lean to look around the league for a boogeyman. There's no one out there. The 49ers are the boogeyman. And the Green Bay Packers are going to find out when they go out there, you know, what it's like to play a team that's elite in almost all categories. And I think that's what they – they went in, they played a Dallas team that had played and beat a lot of teams that were sub-500 this year that were not playoff teams. And now they're going to play a team that's the top of the level. And if the Packers come in there and somehow get a win, we got to give them their props. They played well, whatever. But I'm telling you, it's a little bit different when you line up and you're going against it. This ain't, this ain't Brandon Cooks, you know, running a, a route over the middle. This is Debo Samuel. You get physical with him, you're going to get trucked. Uh, it's a different mindset. The four years are more physical. 
I think this is going to be a fun game. I think the Packers, go ahead, talk your trash. You deserve it. You had a big win against the Cowboys. But I'm just letting you know, here comes the boogeyman. And now you've got to deal with the best team in the NFC. Yeah, and like Chamura is suggesting that the Packers come in and bully the 49ers. Listen, if that is your approach, you're going to lose because you don't bully the bully. That's just simply the way it is. And we, when we did our our live games for PSF this year, we talked about that a lot during the game, not just that the 49ers were so physical, but after they knock you down, they'll push you, you know, or they'll do something. They're bullies. And, and I just think a lot of teams aren't ready for that. There are some that can play that style. I'm just not sure Green Bay is one of them. Let me ask you a couple of questions because Josh in the PSF chat asked, who's Seattle's next coach? Uh, that's interesting. You know, I, I know they're casting a wide net right now. I think the one they probably feel the most comfortable with is Dan Quinn. He's been in, you know, that facility. He understands the way that they like to do things there. That one feels the most comfortable. Um, I don't know if they're going to go for a big name. I don't really think a guy like Jim Harbaugh would go to Seattle. Him and Pete Carroll haven't really ever seen eye to eye. That one doesn't make sense to me. Uh, but I think that it's probably going to be a defensive mind. They have a, a thought process on what they do. Uh, they like that defense. They like to be defensive minded. But with any hire that they have, they're going to have to have somebody that comes in that is an offensive guy because that offense has not lived up to expectations and they have a lot of really good players on that side of the ball. So I fully expect uh, them to hire probably a veteran coach. I think that's what they like, an older guy, kind of keep the same chemistry and, and thought process. But if I was Seattle, this is me personally, not what they're actually going to do. I would go get the young gun like Bobby Slowick or somebody like that that can revitalize that offense and try to compete with Kyle Shanahan. But I, I don't think they'll do that. I think they're going to go with an old head, a veteran. Yeah, and Dan Quinn makes sense. He's one of Carroll's guys, so um, that that does seem like the uh, the thing that they'll do. What about um, Adam Peters? Uh, he's left for the Washington Commanders. Um, what do you think they're going to do? Uh, you think they'll they'll go in house, or are they going to bring back Mayhew? Because um, right now, I still haven't heard anything about Martin Mayhew. I I would assume he's going to stay in Washington, but just in a different role. Um, I think Matt Barrows throughout the name, Tom Telesco, because he and John Lynch are friends. Um, but I just, what, what are you thinking there? Who, uh, who might they uh, wrangle to uh, replace Adam Peters? I think when it comes to uh, the front office search, I think they're going to be pretty deliberate, pretty diligent uh, with their decision. I think that it's interesting you brought up Martin Mayhew because I know that I did read Adam Peters was going to have the ultimate decision on Mayhew. And those two have worked together before. So I think it all depends on Mayhew's thought process. Does he want to stay there uh, as now the defunct GM kind of position and work with Peters? Or does he want to be set free? And setting him free could mean, yeah, he comes back to San Francisco because he knows if he comes back two years from now, he'll probably be out there again as a general manager around the league because that's what happens when you work for the 49ers front office. I think they have some really good, talented guys within the organization that I'd like to see them take a look at. Uh, but I think it could be somebody like Tom Telesco as well, uh, even though I did see he just interviewed for some GM jobs. So uh, he's out there in the mix. 
Uh, I think there's a lot of possibilities. I think the 49ers are going to take their time with it. But what the crazy thing is, you have to get prepared for the draft. You have to get prepared for the combine. So I'm guessing it's going to happen at some point. My guess is that they'll wait a little bit, uh, but then they're going to make a, a big move. I kind of hope Martin Mayhew comes back, but I don't know if he's ever going to get out of Washington. Yeah, and I think that uh, Tariq Ahmed, they seem to really like. He's moved up the system uh, rapidly. So um, uh, it'll be interesting to see what uh, what they are doing. Any final thoughts before we take off here? Yeah, I think that this is going to be a fun matchup. And I think there's still so much more uh, to this game. This is one of the great things about the 49ers not playing the Packers during the season is we're getting a, a see a team that we haven't saw yet. We haven't seen how these two teams match up, so you get to talk about all the things that are going to happen. But I think that when it comes down to it, this game is pretty simple in the way it needs to happen. Both these teams are going to try to run the football and establish a run game. Both of them are going to use that run game, the effectiveness of the run game, to establish a play-action game. And then they're really going to try to take advantage of getting the ball into that intermediate part of the field. Like Josh talked about on the app, there's the potential of the Packers turning to the screen game. That's always a big possibility. Uh, but I think the 49ers are well-equipped to handle it. They're going to have a full array of talent. And I think the 49ers are built for this type of situation. They're built to beat the Green Bay Packers. And I, I think they're going to have a really good shot at doing it because I think Christian McCaffrey is going to have a big game. I think Debo Samuel is going to be a huge decoy in this matchup. And I think ultimately George Kittle is just too much. After watching what Dallas was able to do with their tight end last week, I think George Kittle is going to have a big game as well. Yeah, I, I would definitely agree with that, especially with those linebackers. This has been the Red and Bold Show. You can see us every Wednesday on the PSF app. We uh, combined our two channels, 49ers Camelot and 49ers Cutback, uh, today so that you could kind of get a glimpse of what we do on Wednesdays on PSF. So go download that app, uh, PSF Pro Sports Fans, and come join us. Uh, maybe we'll do this again. We'll see. But uh, uh, but definitely come in there because every Wednesday at uh, 2 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Central, uh, we are uh, on the PSF app doing stream just like this talking about the game that just happened and the game that's coming up so come join us we'd love to have you thanks everybody for joining us make sure that you go um if you're watching on youtube uh head over to either wherever you're watching if, if you're watching at uh 49ers cutback make sure that you like and subscribe do the same thing. Go find the 49ers Camelot show. Do the same thing. And wherever you're listening, if you're listening somewhere else, um, make sure that you rate, review, and follow both of our podcasts. I follow Ants, and so whenever he does something new, it downloads on my phone. And uh, I always enjoy listening to what he does because uh, this guy knows his stuff. So it's a lot of fun. Thanks, everybody, for joining us and for taking part in our chat and everything. Uh, it's been a blast. Thanks, Ant, for joining me. Oh, yeah. Had a had a great time. Always enjoy our conversations. And uh, hopefully next week we're going to have plenty more content to talk about a 49ers big win over the Green Bay Packers and looking ahead to the NFC Championship game. So I hope everyone likes, subscribes, hits that notification bell so that we don't miss any time we go live or put out a video. Yep. Everybody have a great week. Go Niners.